We open the Word of God now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I want to repeat for you what he's talking about in this chapter. He's telling us how the church was born. Why are there local churches in the world today? Well, it's because God has a very special people that he's calling out for his name's sake. You'll recall in chapter 1, Paul tells us how the church at Thessalonica was born. Chapter 2, how the church was nurtured. And chapter 3, how the church was established and stabilized in the faith. Now, we found out that the church is an elect group. In verses 1 through 5, Paul describes the church as an elect group. Verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, the church is also, according to chapter 1, an exemplary group. Verses 6 and 7. Verse 7 says, ye were examples to all that believe. It's an enthusiastic group. Verse 8, from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And it's an expectant group, verses 9 and 10, waiting for the Lord Jesus to return. Now, last time we discussed the meaning of election. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. The word church in verse 1 and the word election in verse 4 belong to the same family. The Greek word ekklesia means a called-out company of people. Now, uh, we saw the meaning of election. Now, let's look at the method of election. What is this matter of election? I've had people say to me, well, uh, Pastor, uh, election's so hard to understand. Didn't Jesus die for everybody? Yes, he did. Isn't the gospel sent out to everybody? Yes, but everybody's not going to be saved. The Bible makes it very clear that God's program is a program of election. Let's talk about the method of election. First of all, it is born out of love. Notice what he says in verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Beloved brethren, or it can be translated, knowing, beloved of God, your election. So election is not a matter of fate. It's not a matter of blind choice. It's not an angry God up in heaven uh, seeing how many people he can condemn. Election begins with love. Now, this was true in uh, the case of Israel. Why did God choose the nation of Israel and bypass Babylon, Assyria, Rome? Why did he bypass bigger nations and choose the small, struggling, uh, insignificant nation of Israel? Well, if you have your Bible before you, and I trust you do, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. The only way you can explain it is God's love. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so he chose Israel because he loved them. Now, the same thing is true of the New Testament church that was true of the Old Testament nation of Israel. In Ephesians chapter 1, we have described for us God's love for his elect people. Verse 3 of Ephesians 1, you'd better turn there with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Isn't this interesting? We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, Paul is making it very clear here in Ephesians that our being chosen comes from the loving heart of God. Now, God before the foundation of the world, God even before he made man or woman, had chosen an elect people. He had chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, this is God's part in election. I think I'd like to make this very clear that election has two sides to it. There's the divine side and there's the human side. The same God who chooses people to be saved also chooses the means whereby they shall be saved. Now, keep your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and turn with me back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Here we have the divine side of election. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to, now, the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we have here in 1 Peter 1-2 all three persons of the Godhead. Did you notice that? My election depends upon God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Now you cannot divorce these from each other. As far as God the Father is concerned, I was saved when he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. As far as God the Son is concerned, I was saved when he died for me on the cross. He talks here about the blood of Jesus Christ. But as far as God the Holy Spirit is concerned, I was saved on May the 12th, 1945, when I yielded to him and became obedient to his leading. So you see, the whole Godhead is involved in your salvation. As far as God the Father is concerned, I was saved when he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. But that in itself did not save me. That merely set in motion the program of my salvation. As far as God the Son is concerned, I was saved when he died for me on the cross, for he paid for my sins, but that in itself did not save me. That salvation had to be applied to my heart by the Holy Spirit. And so as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, I was saved when I yielded to his call that night when I heard the word of God. So from the divine side, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make possible my election. Now before we move back to 1 Thessalonians, I want to uh, point something out here in 1 Peter 1-2. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge does not mean to know beforehand. There are those people who say, well, God knew beforehand those who would trust Jesus, so he chose them. No, that's not scriptural. Foreknowledge here has 
with it the same idea of being chosen. It's not that he saw me before I was saved, rather he chose me. Whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. So foreknowledge does not mean to know beforehand, it means to choose beforehand. Isn't it wonderful to know that your salvation is not wrapped up in your character or your good works or your religion? Your salvation is wrapped up in the eternal plan of a God who loves us. Now, from the, from the divine point of view, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are involved in my election. But you know, the same God who ordains that people shall be saved also ordains the means whereby they are saved. And so we come back now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. You see, their election was a divinely ordained event in the mind and heart of God, but it took place in history. The gospel came to them. Now, how did the gospel come to them? Well, look at the three names in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silas and Timothy. You see, if a man's going to be saved, the gospel has to come to him. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus has died for our sins, that he's alive today and he can change us. The gospel is not baptism. The gospel is not the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount. The gospel is not church membership or morality. The gospel is not that there might be a second chance after death. No, no. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. Now, this gospel has to be taken to people. Let me say a word uh, concerning those who believe that uh, uh, God's going to do the whole thing. Now, I know we're on uh, perhaps slippery ice here, but I want to be forceful and truthful with the Word of God. There are some groups that say we don't believe in sending out missionaries. If God's going to save people, he's going to save them. We don't believe in passing out tracts or preaching the gospel. If God's going to save people, he'll save them come what may. William Carey, the father of the modern missionary movement, went to a Baptist uh, conference over in England, and he preached a great sermon on let's get out and win the lost to Christ. Let's send out missionaries to the heathen. And Carey was a young man, and an older preacher stood up and said, young man, when God decides to save the heathen, he'll save them without our help. That's not true. The same God who ordains that I should be saved ordained that somebody should bring me the gospel. And Paul and Silas and Timothy, chosen men, brought the gospel to these people. Now, if you look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, you'll find out the human side of election. The divine side of election we saw in 1 Peter 1, 2. Look now at the human side of election. Chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved in the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit set them apart. The Holy Spirit dealt with them and belief of the truth. Now there's God's part. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. There's man's part. Paul and Silas and Timothy came to Thessalonica and they preached the gospel and the Holy Spirit of God used the gospel 
to bring these people to Christ. This is the method of election. Now, election is not something that angels do. Election is not something that God does apart from human instrumentality. I want to repeat this as clearly as I can. I hope you will get it. If people are going to be saved, it's because we obey God's command and take the gospel to them. Now, when I preach in my church several times a week, when I go out in conferences and revival meetings, I don't know who God's elect are. I can't go to a church service and say to somebody, are you lost? Yes, I'm lost. Well, you're one of God's elect. I don't know who they are. I know this, that wherever I go to preach, God has some people he has ordained to be saved. That's why he's brought me there to preach. And so I have to pray, oh God, help me to be faithful to present the word of God. Now, people aren't saved by hearing jokes. People aren't saved by being entertained. People don't get saved by going through the motions of religion. People are saved when they hear the truth. The gospel has to come to them. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. We have a lot of words in our churches today. But also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. In other words, while the preacher was preaching the word, the Holy Spirit was applying the word to their hearts. This is why we preachers and uh, Christians must pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples, Ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Now, unless the Holy Spirit attends to the preaching and teaching of the word, nothing's going to happen. The method of election is God the Father chooses... God the Son dies. God the Holy Spirit applies the word to hearts. Someone says, well, if God has his elect people, why preach? Because preaching is the way God calls them. He chose them in Christ. He called them through the ministry of Paul and Silas and Timothy. And God wants to call people through your ministry today. Now, does the doctrine of election hinder us from serving God, quite the contrary. It makes me want to serve him more because I know that the results don't depend upon me. They don't depend upon upon man. They depend upon the Lord. And this is a great encouragement to my heart. Well, we'll pick this word up again next time and talk about the marks of election. How can you tell whether someone belongs to the elect? Thank you for listening. This is Pastor Warren Wearsby of Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. Tune in again next time for What's the Good Word?